We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yes, what's good, everybody? Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. I'm your host, Nick Dayas. At Nick Dayas 10, as you can find me. I got my guy in the building. Actually, in the building. Big Tony, what up? Yo, man, I appreciate you inviting me on your show again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's always good to do podcasts in person instead of remote. So, appreciate you. I'm here to talk, man. Yeah, dude. We, we've connected a couple times now. This is the second time that you're on the pod. Last time... You were back in Queens with me. We're both uh, born and raised New Yorkers. But you came out this weekend for the fights. And uh, I got to thank you for having me tag along. That meant a lot to me. You got me uh, to attend UFC 282 here in Vegas. But it was funny how it came about because I was going to go to the event anyway. Because my guy Jared was fighting. Shouts to Jared, man. We'll get to that in a second because, you know, I am fired up by what transpired there. But you hit me up. Last week, and you're like, yo, bro, you still out in Vegas? I'm like, yeah. You're like, all right, bet. Let me let me get back to you in a sec. And then here we are. Yeah, man. So I've been working closely with DC, you know, giving him some, some consulting advice with his YouTube channel. And, you know, he's been looking out for me ever since. And uh, he invited me to UFC 281 at MSG. And then I figured, I mean, this might be TMI for those listening and watching. I needed to hit a certain amount of miles for my Delta <laughs> Airlines. So I figured I need to get one more trip in before the end of the year so I could hit this status. I figured, all right, I got to go to Vegas, right? That's the last pay-per-view card. And it should be a good one. Plus, DC is going to be doing the broadcasting. So I hit him up for an extra pair of tickets. He came through in the clutch. I know you're out here. Put two and two together. We went to the to the big fights. and. That was the story. Hey, man. And everyone that knows the show is, I don't really say no to things that are free. So when you came through and we're like, yo, I'm gonna tag, you going to tag along? Man, that free 99 <laughs> hits, man. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think of the card, though? Because it was it, it started off amazing because I think we had 10 straight finishes. It was, uh, they needed one more for a UFC record to start a pay-per-view. Because I think recently we had an entire card that all ended 
right. finishes, which I think has happened only twice in UFC history. And then the whole event was just a banger. The atmosphere was dope. You had Raul Rosas Jr. got the, what, the second biggest pop of the night from the crowd? Yeah, man. He, he's, he's got the juice. What, what can I say? I mean, 18 years old, beating up a, a 29-year-old. I mean, I would feel some type of way. And, you know, he, he really showed out. He, he backed up his words. He's a, he's a stud. I, I just hope that he stays a little bit more humble because, you know, I, as we're recording this, he was actually on the MMA fighting show and he mentioned that he could be Aljo right now. No, no, no. We're bugging. Let's <laughs> chill. <laughs> I get it. I get the confidence. But, man, there, there are levels to that. And, yeah, maybe one day. Well, I mean, he's 18, right? Like, the upside for him is tremendous. And he had the whole crowd just, like, in the palm of his hands, dude. When he did this, yeah, the place went ape shit. They went, they were bugging out. And he does have a lot of talent. But, again, he is 18. And you're talking about a dude who's been doing it for a very long time at a high level. And he is a champ. So, we do need to slow down a bit, in my opinion. Could I just put out some scenarios for you? I'll list some names. And then you tell me if Raul... Can can beat him, okay? Okay. Corey Sanhagen. No. Henry Cejudo. No. Who, who, who else we got? We're uh, talking about right now, right? At this yeah, very yeah, right now, yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah, right now. No, no, no. Bro, you, I mean, like Peter Yan, he ain't touching Yan. He's not touching Yan, okay. No, no. I don't think he beats O'Malley. Uh, Bro, yeah, it's okay. He's going to get a title shot, right? Like, come on. We can't, yeah. we can't get crazy, dude. He's, he's super it's talented. It's just a style, right? Stylistically, that's not good for... For O'Malley, because O'Malley's a striker, right? Right. So I, I think he's just gonna like try to wrestle and like grapple with O'Malley. He's not even gonna strike with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, but O'Malley, O'Malley has that wild reach for one thirty-five. Sure. And he's very lengthy and tall, which is very difficult to, for him to get taken down too, because of his size. And he's his also length. fast as hell. Yeah, dude. We didn't even mention Cheeto. I don't think he beats Cheeto Vera. Also true. So yeah, you're right. You're right, man. There's, there's levels, just bro. Gotta, you like, need to chill out. Yeah, you, know, you need to take the steps, right? Like mm -hmm. that's just how in in all aspects of fighting, you see the trajectory of every fighter, and there's a progression. You, that's why you see in boxing, to pivot to another sport, you see these dudes come out of nowhere, and you'll hear about them for the first time, and they're 28 and 0. You're like, what? How? How are you undefeated 28 and 0? But you you throw them in there with a southpaw, you throw them in there with a guy who's uh, heavy handed. You throw him with a guy who has an amazing jab. You throw him with a guy who switches stances. And then that's how you progress. So then when you do get to the cream of the crop and you fight the guys that are at the absolute apex of their sport and their division, you know that your guy, all right, man, this guy fights a guy like Connor and he has that big left hand. We've seen him with a big southpaw left hand knockout artist. So that's how the progression goes. And I think it's the only reason why Pereira got that fight against Izzy and I had Eric Nixick on the show. We were talking about it, too, before that last card. Pereira only gets that fight because he had that built-in backstory of kickboxing with Izzy. Yeah. He didn't climb up the ranks the way normally you would, but you had that built-in story. You had Sean Strickland, who took the risk because they guaranteed him a title shot if he won. So then that's how he gets a title shot in his fourth UFC fight. It kind of got fast-tracked. I mean, yeah, knocking out Izzy, like, really, really... It's a lot of leverage, man. Yeah. So it made sense. Plus, it, it was almost like Izzy was lapping the division already. So 
he needed some fresh meat. So it, stars aligned. Exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. The stars aligned. What was your favorite moment from 282? Hmm. I, I really liked um I liked the Darren Till fight, man. Uh I was rooting for him hard. Uh, you know, what's his name? Du, Duplessis? Yeah. Duplessis. Duplessis. Right? You gotta say it with the right accents. Um he looks like a bodybuilder, man. He looks like Zangief. Bro, he it is humble. I'm always blown away when they step into the cage and you realize what their natural weight is. Because a lot of people don't realize if they're not really hardcore into the UFC and even the fight game as a whole. Like, dude, you really, when you fight at 185, you weigh 185 for about, what, an hour? Yeah. 30 minutes? Yeah. And then you rehydrate and then, you know, you get back to the weight that you originally are at. but. Duplessis looks like 215. Yeah, man. He's a big boy. He, correction. He looks like Guile up top and then Zangief <laughs> down low, right? The Zangief's body, but he got Guile's head. Man, he's a, he's a beast, man. Yeah. When he took down Till, and he's like, not there's no way you can get up. Yeah, and he's not even a takedown guy, too. Yeah, I mean. He's a, he's a striker, yeah. which, is, which is alarming if you're Till because you've been training with Chamayev all this time. And I'm sure Chamayev isn't someone that doesn't shoot takedowns, right? Like, his game is the wrestling. So, it was a little bit concerning with Till. But I did like the fight that Till brought to him, too. Because, dude, we thought he was going to get stopped in the first round. And then we also thought that it might be a 10-8 round until that last minute sequence when Till got on top and he got some of his, his offense in, too. We kept saying as we were watching the fights, uh, anytime someone would get their legs kicked. Yeah. Or even the way Till fell, because he blew out his knee. After the fact, he went up to Bruce Buffer and he said, yo, I tore my ACL in that second round. And it was one of those weird, awkward takedowns where his knee kind of buckled and it just like stayed flat-footed. Mm -hmm. Like, you know that stretch you do where you put your ankle in the back and you yeah, kind of yeah. like slowly lean back? Like, you could feel your ligaments kind of being stretched out there. Now, imagine just that sudden crank coming. That's where he… It's almost like what happened to Debo Samuels yesterday, right? Oh, man. That was so gutting seeing that. We were yeah. watching that together, too. And we are like, oh, like, yo, stop showing us the replay, dude. Yeah. And then when he broke down in tears… Like, that's one thing with me, bro. When I, when I watch an athlete react to an injury, that tells me all I need to know. Not a doctor. Hate science. But when a player, when a player reacts to an injury like that… Because you know your body better than anyone. Have you ever gotten any serious injury? Oh, of course. What would you do? Well, the first time I got an ankle sprain, I didn't know what the hell it was, right? Right. So, and that swelled up to a, a baseball. After that, that's when I knew, okay, if I ever get this again, I'll, I'll know it's a big, like, like a, was it a third degree ankle sprain? I think that's yeah. the highest. Um, yeah, I'll know that it's that. So, you know, first time happening, you don't know what the hell it is. But if it ever happens again. But you never had, like, a surgery, right? No. All right, good. Knock on wood. Hopefully yeah. that never happens to you. I, I blew my knee out playing flag football, running out of bounds. And I got pushed out of bounds from behind. But my knee kind of buckled. And, bro, immediately just downpour tears. When you say blow your knee out, what do you mean? I tore like my ACL. Okay. And I immediately started crying. Not because of the pain. I was able to get up and, like, walk off. No limp, nothing. But I knew I never felt a pain like that. And I knew that I kind of fucked my shit up. And I was destined for a surgery. I just knew it. And I felt it. And I was right. Right? Like, I didn't need the MRIs. The MRIs kind of just confirmed it. But I always feel like you know your body better than anyone. 
So when you have that, like, damn, yo, why is, why is my elbow hurt after every pitch? I yeah. Think? Like, maybe, maybe you might be having some Tommy John issues or some shit. So when I see Debo breaking down, he's getting carted off, and he's doing that, it's like, man, he might be done for the year. I mean, yeah, you, you start thinking about, like, the worst case right. scenarios, right? But going back to the card, I mentioned Till, but I actually want to say the Bryce Mitchell— Taporia fight. Bro, future champ, dude. I, I, was, I was talking about it coming in. I was tweeting about it because there's a, there's a big backstory between Taporia and Patty Pimblett. They've been going at it for a couple of years now because they're both out in Europe. Mm -hmm. uh, Taporia is Spanish and from Georgia. And Patty's from, from the UK. And them two have never crossed paths. But they're like… There's a lot of star power behind them, especially when you have that international market. And they were drawing back and forth, and Patty was just sunning him on the mic because Taporia, you know, he has the language barrier too, so there's always a little bit difficult. And Patty was kind of just trolling him, like, "Would you say I don't understand what you're saying?" kind of thing, which what Connor was doing to Habib also. Yeah. But it's like, dude, Taporia is gonna open up like a minus four fifty favorite against you. He would maul Patty. But how does that work? Because they're in different weight classes, right? Well, they they are, but Taporia has fought at 155 also. Okay. And he he just wants to fight Patty. And I think the thing that happens with Patty is a lot of people want to get to him before it's too late. Like that's why they we want to cash out, man. They want to cash out, man, because it's a big spot. It's a it's a marquee fight, no matter where it is. Like we saw my guy Jared. Shouts to Jared, man. <sighs> we gotta address the elephant in the room, which was the the decision. Man, he got okay. robbed, bro. That's it. He got robbed. It was a terrible decision. I felt I felt that way also. And then, because I think everyone that knows me, for the most part, I'm very honest with the assessments of my favorite teams. I've been coming on here every Monday, and the guys in the booth, especially Antoine, because he's a big football fan, he's heard me just laugh out loud at the Giants winning games. I'm like, yo, hmm. I don't know how there's 5-1. and one. I don't know how they're six and one. Holy shit, they're seven and one. They might be the one seed. And I'm laughing because I assess my teams very objectively. I think it's the sports better in me sure. where I kind of look at it from that perspective. Like Vegas and these sports books, they're not giving you layups for you to win money. They're trying to prevent you from winning money. And I think that's a fair way to understand what the expectations of your teams are. So with all that being said, I felt like Jared won that fight 30-27, at worst 29-28. It goes a distance. He gets booed when he comes out because it was a pro-Patty crowd. But then at the end of the night, Patty's getting booed. Yeah. Because Patty's like, of course I won that fight. And it's like, dude. It's crazy, right? Because like there was a lot of Patty fans in attendance. He got the biggest ovation of the night. Facts. Without question. Jared got booed when he came out. I was the only person outside of his family repping a Jared Gordon t-shirt. No. Because I had to. That's my guy. Shout out Queens. Shout out New York City. But at the end, and even like during the fight, dude, you heard, you heard guys behind us. They're like, way to get him a real fight, Dana. Because this is the first time that Patty got tested. Yeah. He yeah. was being thrown kind of cans. And, and I get it from a marketing standpoint and you wanting to build up your fighters. I totally understand that. But he had a big, big opponent in Jared who was going to test him. And he did. And he beat him. And I'm happy that you mentioned that you felt like he got he got a job. Right. So if I were to ask you, give me your percentage, right? 
out of the entire arena, how many, uh, what percentage do you think the fans are Patty fans? Oh, dude, 90, 97%. <laughs> right. And then when they read the results, started booing, right? Yeah. There's no way, like, freaking, what, 4%, 3% of the, the fans can make that loud of a noise, right? It'll get drowned out by cheers, right? So that means Patty fans were also booing too because they kept it real. They're like, yo, I don't know, man. This guy like kind of lucked out. It's the first time that I can remember. And it's so weird that it happened to someone that I know very, very well that it happened against. So that's why the conversation about being biased and the homerism comes into play. But dude, all of social media, MMA journalists, uh, MMA uh, analysts, Fans could be a little, you know, for the most part, fans are not always right. But fighters, yeah, we're all like, bro, why are you celebrating? You you got lucky, bro. Like you you didn't you didn't win. You know, it's the crazy part. My brother texted me uh, while after the literally after the results were were read, and he said, "Yo, it, I'm watching on the TV, and it looks like Patty lost. But how's the reaction? You know, in the arena? I was like, Yo, he got robbed, man." Like, he, he lucked out. He, he stole one. And, you know, even people watching at home, they probably felt the same too. So, it was a bad decision, man. It was, a, it was an awful decision. And I wonder if this is going to change, like, the landscape of the UFC because they've always been critical of boxing in these questionable decisions. And Dana has been very outspoken, very brash. Like, the level of I don't give a fuck from Dana is, like, on the Mount Rushmore of people. Like, a lot of people say that they don't care, but deep down they do. When Dana says he don't care, I believe him. Like, yo, he really don't care. But he's going down this weird rabbit hole of becoming everything you despise about boxing. And why you wanted to make your sport under one umbrella, the UFC, where I'm the matchmaker. Tony and Nick are, are supposed to fight. They're going to fight. It's not going to be Tony and Nick are going to dance around for eight years, yeah. and then you're going to get Pacquiao Mayweather seven years after everybody wants it. Do you feel like the UFC might be going down that, that way? Because this obviously isn't the first time that it's been a questionable decision. People were mentioning the Jan and O'Malley fight, but at least there were a, a large percentage of people that said more damage, O'Malley. Like, that was more respectable where this one, I've still yet to see someone say, Patty B. Jerry. So when you say going down the boxing route, you mean it's rig getting rigged. I don't like throwing that word around. Okay, so then what do you mean by going down I'm the boxing I'm saying that there's an influence from the higher-ups. So I guess that would mean rigged. But I think there's an influence to where… Because if you're going into this fight and the expectation is, yo, Patty's going to finish Jared. Or X-Fighter's going to finish Y-Fighter. Y then when it goes to the distance, and I'm sure the crowd plays a role in it, every time… Patty would throw a punch. Everyone's like, oh, so you, you're, you're human, bro. You're going to react to that. Like, ah, oh, maybe I missed something, but the crowd is being influenced by it. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I don't think it's going down the boxing route. Um, AKA, I don't think it's rigged. Um, I think Dana would never do anything like that because he's got too much on the line, right? Right. He's even mentioned about the, this betting thing that's going on, right? It's like, yo, it's not worth it. So, I don't think he has anything to do with it. Obviously, if you leave it in the hands of the judges, that's why the, the card was going like 
the way it was because everything was a finish. When you get to a decision, it's just like, all right, well, you're kind of screwing yourself. Bro, isn't it crazy that the judges didn't need to do anything the whole night? And then when they had to Facts. do something, they ruined they it? They messed up both of them. <laughs> it was like, crazy. Yo, you had the most effortless night of judging because everything was a tap out or a knockout. So you didn't need your scorecard. And then the two times that you had a scorecard, you have a the most controversial decision that I can remember. And then you have the main event and then a tie, which everyone like bitches at soccer ending in a tie. Now you have the UFC championship, the 205 title, light heavyweight title, and then a tie. And the scoring on that was outrageous. Also, Jan Blokowicz came out and he just said, yo, he's the champ. Like he deserves to be the champ. He's the guy that just fought. That's why it was crazy to see the two perspectives of Patty's like, yo, of course I won. What you guys, you know, and then you have Jan coming out and saying, man, I think I lost. I don't think I'm champ. That's, yeah, man. It's just terrible decisions, man. I don't know what they were watching. They got better seats than us, right? We were further back. Yeah. They're up in the action. I'm like, yo, how do you not see what we see? You got the best views. So, I don't know, man. I, it, it's interesting because, like, now they got Glover versus Jamal Hill. Mm-hmm. And I think Hill's going to, like, he's going to be the champ. Yeah, you think so? I think so, man. Wow. Bro, I can't count out Glover. Because I've, I've probably been, like, 0 for 6 betting against him. Okay, let me ask you this. <laughs> so, who do you think that UFC is rooting for? Man, I think Glover, bro. He's old, bro. So yeah, but I think Glover is. He's so if he wins, then then like how, how many de- defenses is he gonna do? Because then if he retires after he wins, then you gotta fight for another belt. Isn't it crazy the two? If it seems like the two hundred five division's been cursed, because you have ever since John Jones in DC, you've just had vacant titles all the time. Hey, man. Yo, Henry Cejudo. What's up, man? Yeah. Get up in there, man. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It's, uh, but I, I, I kind of like the energy, though. I mean, I, there's a lot of good fighters at 205. So, I mean, we'll we see where it goes. Yeah, it was kind of like middling. And then it got, it got good again. Like, Yuri was a nice, I think Yuri is still going to be, he'll be a number one contender because he technically didn't lose his belt. He had to vacate it because of, of injury. Yeah. But I think he'll be right back in the mix for sure. But I think Glover, man, is Glover's tough, dude. Glover's tough. And that is the next fight that they booked for the next pay-per-view Brazil. And it sucks because, like, Anthony Smith was live on commentary when he heard that from Laura Sanko. And he was just assessing it there like, damn, man. Because he was supposed to fight Jamal Hill on my birthday in March Mm. out here in Vegas. And that was going to be a fight that would probably declare the number one contender, I would assume. But then, of course, you have that. And then a draw kind of leaves the door open for these new new matchmaking decisions. But it's just it's such a weird card, man. Because, you know, we were talking about it before we, we went to the event. It's, it's been kind of a weird year for Vegas cards. Mm-hmm. Right? March. I was here in March. And it was Covington and Usman. Uh, Covington and Masvidal. Excuse me. It was a fun card. But you need a title or you need to have Connor. Like, yeah. those are the only two possible main events you can have. It needs to be a title or it needs to be Connor. Or, Connor's, or Nate Diaz. 
Yeah, you're right. We got to, yeah. Or Nate. Shout but out. It, shout out Nate. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely shout out Nate. So in March, you have that. International Fight Week in July, you have Adesanya and Cannoneer. And Adesanya cruises to a, what was it, 50-45 decision. But people were pissed at him because, you know, he doesn't pull the trigger. He doesn't go for it. He gets ahead and then he cruises to a decision. Uh, shout out to that walkout, though. It was fire. The walkout was fire. And as a big wrestling fan, I was definitely super excited about that one. Shouts to The Undertaker. So you have that fight week, right? Which fight week is an exception because people are going to be hyped about it regardless. And then in September, you have the Chemaev and Nate Diaz fiasco go down where that card got completely shuffled around. Mainstream didn't really do that well. But to the fight fans, it was dope because you knew Nate and Tony were being set up to be sacrificed, especially Nate on his way out. And it would have left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths Sunday morning. Like, damn, yo, we just saw one of our favorites just get mauled by this new dude and made a name off him. So that was cool. The fallout of it not being what we thought it would be. And then you have this card that got shuffled around because of the title being vacated by Yuri and Glover. So I do have a gut feeling that they're going to go crazy in 2023 for the Vegas cards. And they're going to stack them up with, I think, March, we might get John Jones coming back against Francis. Just, just speculating because it, it lines up, right? Like, it'll be a full year since Francis had the, the knee issue, had his surgery, and, and he retained his title against Cyril Gan. And I've been seeing a lot of videos of, of Francis back in the training room. And I've seen him working with Eric Nixick, too, at Extreme Couture. And then John Jones, like, he's only coming back to fight for a title. So why not have that as, like, the March card? Fight week is going to be super popping because it's always popping. And then I'm sure they could get, like, a. would say I'd put money that Islam, if he's the champ at 155, probably defends in Vegas come September, December. Yeah. Because they're having that fight in February in Perth yep. between him and Volkanovski. And Islam strikes me as someone that will want to stay active and defend. Yeah. But then you got to factor in Ramadan, right? So then he's not going to fight. He won't fight in September. Because mm. that's usually around the time. Isn't it like late no, summer? I think, I think it's like in March, no? Yeah. No, don't quote us on this. Yeah, don't, right? don't, don't. Please don't. We apologize. Because I always remember Habib wouldn't fight. Early. I thought it was early. Again, don't quote us on this. We apologize. But that is something that needs to be factored because they don't fight during that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I, you, you mentioned International Fight Week. I think it's… You got to have Connor in there, man. By that time, he'll pass what? USADA? Hopefully. Yeah. Right? Hey, yo. Book, book Chandler on that. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a banger. Uh, it's going to be fireworks for sure. Um, let me ask you this. Since you brought up John Jones. If the rumors are true… And it is John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Who do you have winning that? Man, I really think that John Jones is best fighter of all time. Okay. So you got him winning that. It's going to be a two, no, a three-year layoff, bro. Yeah. Because he fought right before COVID, February of 2020. And then this will be three years. I love that he's taken time to go to heavyweight. But man, Francis also is coming on. It's, it's hard, man. It's hard. Because yeah. Francis is the ultimate equalizer, right? He got th those hands are equalizers. And then what we saw of Francis 2.0 with him grappling 
surreal gone. And you're like, holy shit, how did this happen? I remember watching it with my buddy Josh. He's a big Francis guy. He's like, bro, no one's ever going to beat him if he's wrestling like that. Does Francis have to cut to 265? I would assume so. (laughs) Shit. Damn. You got to be like 285, 290. Yeah. Damn. That's a big man. Yeah, I'm just curious. If you you did say John Jones, I I was going to ask you how. Uh, I would assume maybe like leg kicks because he just came out for like knee surgery. You know what I mean? I don't think John's going to KO Francis. Then again, I, I don't know. Man, it's the fight game, man. Anybody get KO'd. Well, the, th- the thing that I really like is that John has taken his time and has put on the weight and the size the right way in order for him to come back. But he's still going to be smaller than Francis. He's tall, though. Yeah. And he was always big for light heavyweight. He was always bigger than everyone else. Yeah. And longer, too. And his athleticism was always crazy. That's what really made him that great at 205. I mean, he's never lost, dude. His one loss is like, no one considers that a loss. It, was, it ended up getting ruled a no contest. This is back when the 12-6 elbow was, uh, I mean, it's still illegal, but it was like when those viral videos were going, yeah. of those dudes like, ah, just breaking like those cinder yeah. blocks with their yeah. elbows. So to me, I think John Jones is the best fighter that I've ever seen. Just complete game all the way around. But Francis is probably the most... I mean, not probably. He's the most feared heavyweight of all time. And if this new version of Francis is going to be what it is with the wrestling and the grappling, it's going to be hard to pick against him too. It should be a coin flip. It should be like a pick em. Honestly, I really think it should be a pick em. And I might just blindly bet whoever the underdog is, but with not much confidence. I might just do it from like a betting perspective, but I think it's a 50-50 fight. Mm. I, I would favor John Jones just because he, he's good at um, managing distance. I feel like a lot of heavyweights, they probably swang and bang. They don't really care about this. Thing. I'm going to catch you with this one, one punch and you're going out. Night, night. I want to ask you one question about Connor because he's always the, mm. the big appeal, the big draw. And you mentioned Fight Week. There are some rumors, Chandler and Connor for Fight Week. I love that fight for... For Chandler. I love that fight for Connor also. Because Chandler could wrestle, but he likes to be in these wars and to put on a show. Hot take. I think this is the last time we get Connor McGregor to fight. And the aura and excitement is what it's always been with Connor. I feel like his next fight, unless he wins, but I'm saying if this track record continues of losses and the layoffs and the injuries, if he comes back and loses, this is going to be the last time that Conor McGregor is, holy shit, Conor's back. We're going to get a million plus pay-per-view buys. Uh, Your boys that don't watch UFC are going to definitely tune in and be tweeting about it. How do you feel about that? I I agree. I feel like this this is it. Because if he loses again, at that point, it's like, bro, you're just... They're going to call him washed. You're going to call him washed. Shout yeah, out. People are already calling him that. Yeah. But I think that him coming back, this, this next fight, we have one more Con- Connor moment. And I stand by it. And I, and I said this months ago after he broke his foot to Poirier. And people are like, yo, he's washed. It's like, dude, I don't think he's washed because he's not also losing to, to Cairns. He's lost to Poirier. He lost to Habib. Yeah. He lost to Poirier twice. It's like he's, he's losing to guys that were champions. And still at the prime of their career. We're saying this for Michael Chandler too, though. 
Because very fair, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, do we call Michael Chandler washed if he loses to Connor, or do we give him a pass? I think because he's so electrified. I think you get he he gets a pass because I think Chandler oh is just locked into being the fighter that everyone's gonna want to tune in, bro. He's won a performance bonus every time he's fought. You know what I think will happen if uh, Chandler fights Connor. I think he'll fall into the trap of trying to be in a showman. Like, you know how Kevin Hollins was fighting Wonder Boy and he was like, get up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to strike with you. You know what's crazy? O'Day Osborne on the show last week, he said there's a difference between fighters and showmen. I think Michael Chandler's a showman. Yeah. Like, he could, I I would assume he would easily take down Connor and just Mm. like wrestle him, right? And get the W. But he's trying to build it up where he gets, like, these spectacular highlights. So I have a feeling he's going to fall into that McGregor trap of trying to outstrike McGregor. That might be the downfall, man. But again, who knows? Michael Chandler's uh, fast as hell. He might just catch Connor. Hey, man, this was a this was a fun weekend. I appreciate you hooking me up. Uh, it was a really good time. It's my favorite sporting event to attend in person. And uh, again, it was, it was good to kick it with you. And uh, anytime you're out in Vegas, bro, I told you, I gave you, a, I threatened you actually, if I'm being honest. I was like, bro, even if it don't got to do with tickets, like I don't want to ever be that guy that only gets hit up because you want to feel like you got to do me a favor. Like, nah, bro, it ain't like that. Me and you, we got a lot of mutual friends that we we respect. Shout out to, to Jarrell Harris. He was on the show last week. Shout out to Sunday Watch Club. We connected through that. Yes, yes. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you a lot for being on the show for for the, the the whole weekend, being dope as hell. And uh, yeah, shout out to Sunday. I, I got to hit some threes. Yes, some you NBA. did. You know, listen, even though you were able to build a lot of cribs with the amount of bricks that I was shooting, <laughs> I did get three, which going into it, I told Tony, Tony beat me in a three-point contest at the, at the NBA G League Ignite game. But I said, yo, just going into this, man, I haven't shot a basketball in like six months. I need to I need to at least get one. So I was happy I got three. I think I went like three of 14. You yeah. went four of nine, precision shooter. Hey, Nick, you'll be all right, man. Hey, I appreciate you letting me on the show, man. Respect. Where, where can they find you if they want to contact you? you find me at, at Mr. Tony Mui, M-R-T-O-N-Y-M-U-I, all platforms. Before we get to my guy, Kenny, back on the show, big ups to the members of the Patreon. We got Nick Chavez, Ben Kotzian, Christopher Villasquez, Derek Platees, Devin Rendon, Jordan Riley, Mike Wozniak, Nick Crummich, and Thomas Robinson to support Veterans Minimum. Check out the Patreon, patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. After a week off, my guy is back. Kenny, bets big. What up, dog? How we feeling, man? Uh, thanks for having me back. You know, last week, something didn't feel right. Colors didn't, didn't seem the same. Food didn't have the same flavor. I couldn't figure it out, man, but I, I think it's because I missed you too much. <laughs> Yo, listen, I think it was, uh, I, I think at least for the rest of this football season, uh, you got to be on, bro. Because it was the worst worst betting weekend in a very long time mm-hmm. since we started the show. Uh, Monday winners hit. My favorite bet was Chargers plus three and a half. That, that ended up, I put it in the Discord and I tweeted it out since you weren't on the show last week that uh, Monday winners did continue to roll. But, dude, it was a rough week 14. I somehow managed to not piss it all away in the contest. I went two and three. 
but I was staring down the barrel of 0 and 4 with I had the Broncos plus nine and a half, Kenny. And when they're down 27 nothing, I'm like, oh my God. Oh my God. I was I was week 14 for you. Uh started pretty similar to yours. Um I had uh, I had the Lions, I had the Lions pretty big, so that was good. But then I had the Giants and the Browns, so they kind of washed each other there. Which the Browns, man, it's tough to watch. Can, can we can we come up with a new rule? And I know every week it's it's different. Like we <laughs> like numbers, we don't like teams, but I have a new rule. I don't care how many points you're catching. If your offense sucks and can't score points, I'm not doing it, bro. I'm not doing it but- because. But to that same, but to that same token, then you wouldn't have had the Broncos this weekend, and they cashed, you know. Yeah, yeah, and then Houston, you, you, you <laughs> told me your favorite bet. Well, yeah, and you told me, and you told me Houston. You're like, yo, Houston, seventeen and a half, like that's a no brainer. And I'm like, bro, they're gonna get blown out. You're like, dude, that's that's three possessions in the NFL. Like, you gotta take. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I'm pissed at myself because I let my boy talk me off of Houston. Um, you know, kind of how, kind, yeah, you, it wasn't you who talked mm-hmm. me off, but it was kind of the same conversation you and I had. That's why I did that. Yeah. I didn't talk you off it. Yeah. To me, it was, there was no chance in hell I was taking the Cowboys. <laughs> I'm not saying that I was convinced on Houston, but it was like, I'm only taking Houston or passing. But that's why I reacted that way because, oh, we know what we're doing. What are we know yeah. what we're doing, but what are we doing? Listening to these, <laughs> these idiot exactly. friends of ours that we have, like you do it professionally. I've worked with sports books. I'm doing well this season. I'm following my own intuition on everything. It's like, Kenny, we're better than this, bro. Yeah, man. And, you know, the the Cowboys was such a perfect fade spot coming off of that huge blowout win over the Colts where, you know, anyone watching that game, that was a that was a two-point game, like 12 minutes to go in the fourth quarter. <laughs> the, the Colts were right in that. And then uh, the the floodgates opened up and Dallas, you know, steamrolled them 33 unanswered points. So, uh that that was a perfect fade to Cowboy spot, in, in my opinion. You know, you had the Texans coming off a bad loss to the Deshaun Watson Browns. Uh, Cowboys coming off that that win where uh, you know the public perception is just going to be higher on them coming off of that big win over the Colts than it should have been. So yeah, it was a perfect spot, and, and unfortunately, I, I got talked off of it. He almost talked me off of the Broncos, and I had to end the conversation. I was like, dude, I like the Broncos too much this week. I'm hanging up on you. That was that. Yeah, no. Nah, at that at that point, it's like, come on, man. We we can't get crazy. You can you can't talk us off all the games that we like, especially when this is is kind of what, like what we do, right? I do. I have a question for you from a football standpoint, not just like betting, but you think it's a wrap for this Tua and Herbert conversation? I've been seeing some people going back and forth on it. I've never, I've never jumped ship. I've been pro Herbert from day one, going back to when. He was a Oregon Duck. Nothing has changed for me. I think Herbert moving forward uh, is the guy that I would want from that bunch. I think Burrow is definitely, I think it's 1A, 1B, and then 2 is is Tua, in my opinion, in that conversation. But you, you had all the hype about Tua and Herbert. They were playing each other on Sunday Night Football. And you saw what happened when like Hill and Waddle are just a little bit taken out of a game or hobbled not fully healthy. Where are you in that conversation? I'm going to be honest. I didn't even know that that was a real conversation that was being had up until a couple of weeks ago. And anyone that's even putting Tua Tagovailoa in the same 
class realm world as Justin Herbert, I want whatever they're smoking because it's some good stuff. Um, listen, Justin Herbert, man, you know, he, he got a lot of heat, a lot of heat during the season. Right. But like guy was missing three of his top wide receivers. <laughs> I think like four of his top linemen were out and the guy was still going out in there performing, putting up numbers. He can make every throw on the route tree. Uh, Justin Herbert is him. I think, I don't even think it's a de- debate. I mean, at least not for me. If, if you're telling me who am I taking, Herbert or Tua, give me Herbert. It's not even close. Yeah, it's a larger, it's a way larger. Sample. Imagine what Justin Herbert would do with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. I mean, dude, even Mike Williams and Keenan Allen are amazing wide receivers too. He's just, they've only played three games together this year. No, right. But they're, I mean, but I think we can agree that they're not like, you know, you even mentioned Burrow. Imagine Justin Herbert with Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Like, it's not even fair. No, you're, you're right, man. And also, look at the coaches, too. Like, Zach Taylor, he's not my cup of tea, but he's he. Uh, I have him higher on the rankings than Brandon Staley, who Brandon Staley, anytime they cut to him, just always looks like he's panicking or confused. He has <laughs> Eli Manning face for quarterbacks. He's always just, like, pacing back and forth. You don't know what's going on. It's like, oh, we want to go for it, coach. It's fourth and 19 on, on like, your 10. Like, we, <laughs> we can't go for it on this one. But he just that's what that's what Justin Herbert's dealing with, right? The the weapons are good, very good, especially with like Austin Eckler out the backfield too. He's he's a beast. The matchup was good for him also. But I think it was a conversation coming into the week because them two were playing each other and it was a primetime game. It's a bigger sample size with Justin Herbert as well, where he has done it at a higher level for longer. Like, dude, up until this season, people didn't know that Tua was gonna be the answer for for Miami, they were going to trade a bunch of stuff to get Deshaun Watson, who wasn't even going to play this year until he just started playing two weeks ago. So it's like, let's not get it twisted, man. The conversation around Tua was very different not too long ago. No, yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, it's I guess that's what makes the, the NFL so entertaining, right? Is that week to week, the storylines can change so drastically. Um, you know, like you just said, look, look at the stories, the storylines are surrounding Tua last last season compared to this season. It's night and day. So, yeah. And another thing we need to start talking about just, you know, same way when we see Andy Dalton in a primetime spot, it's just an automatic fade. Justin Herbert in primetime getting points. I think it's an automatic bet at this point. Bro, listen. If I'll never, uh, not never, but I'll always I'll always back Justin Herbert getting points. <laughs> oh, dude, I'll, I love that's a team, and and you give me a team also. To me, it's my favorite team to bet on as an underdog. I won't bet him as a favorite. I need to really be convinced as a favorite. But bro, if Herbert's catching points, I don't care if they play in Kansas City, which he's covered the last three times that he's played in there. I don't care if it's in Lambeau in the snow. I know he's a he, he's a West Coast uh, sunshine looking kid. I'm I'm taking him anywhere if he's catching points. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that one. I going into last night, I uh, I was down a little bit on the day, and then I I remembered. It's all right. We got the Chargers prime time late night game against the Dolphins. Justin's gonna get us right, boys. Don't worry. I was texting all my clients like, calm down. The, the Broncos were down twenty seven nothing. They're freaking out. I was like, the Broncos are gonna cover for us. I don't know how it's gonna happen, but it's gonna happen. And uh, they rattled, they rattled off twenty one unanswered and saved us. 
Dude, I was about to text you during that, like, yo, help. <laughs> help, because I was <laughs> I was staring down the barrel right before halftime at 0-4, and, and I couldn't believe that they co- I couldn't believe that they covered because the, the offense has been so bad in Denver. But look, man, back-to-back weeks, the Broncos have covered in ugly, like, ugly spots. Like, no one wanted to take them against Baltimore. No one wanted to take them against Kansas City. I said the charges for me. Is there a team that you, I don't want to say blindly back when they're catching points, but is there one where you're like, I love this team when they're underdogs? Last year, it was the Raiders a lot. Um, I found some good spots betting the Raiders last year as as dogs. Uh, the Titans, you know, we, we've talked about it a few times, yeah. how Mike Vrabel catching points, like, for whatever reason, they just seem to cover no matter what spot. If, you know, public's on them, sharps are on them, they're covering which, you know, we'll talk about this week. I, I love the Titans this week against the Chargers <laughs> as, as favorites. Well, I mean, dude, I'm not... Chargers as favorites, whether they're home or on the road, I'm not doing it. But as a dog, I'm all in. I do, I do like that Titans spot. Let's get to Monday winners, man. It's becoming a recurring thing. People are loving this. They were upset last week when, I, when you weren't on the show. And they're like, yo, what are the Monday winners? So I did drop that in the Discord. The Discord is open for all to join. It's in the link of the bio of every episode. So definitely come on in and, and be a part of the community. I have. I thought you were texting me on Monday for the Monday winners for yourself. I didn't know the Discord's popping off like that. You know that. <laughs> man, listen, man. You know, people like winners. And these Monday winners, we're giving them out right away. And if you're not betting them at the time that we're telling you to, lines are moving. Uh, spot on analysis was... You with the Packers many weeks ago when they were playing Sunday night football against Philly. You're like, dude, they're catching seven. Bet them now. And then it closed at six and a half. And depending on when you bet them, you weren't a part of Sunday winners. You were, you know, Sunday pushes. Pushes are good when you don't got to give money away. But do you have you have one in mind? Because I have one that I'm ready to just like dump the Patreon money. on. Yeah, it's, uh, that's how I feel about a couple games this week that I'm, I'm on the fence of, you know, putting my life on the line here. I loved, I love the bucks. Um, I'm ready to be hurt, ready for Tom to just crush my soul one more time, but bucks catching three and a half points versus the Bengals coming off that. I don't even know what you want to call that yesterday versus the 49ers, but they looked fucking bad. The Buccaneers. Um, but yeah, I, I love the Buccaneers in that spot getting three and a half points. I think they win the game outright. Yo, that's one of mine. That's one of mine. Yeah. Tampa. I was like, Great minds think alike, man. they just got, they just got, they're shit punched in. And I don't want to say a primetime slot, but it was like America's game of the week. And a rookie did that to you. A, you know, Mr. Irrelevant. Now you're coming home. And, oh, is Carolina going to win the division? I saw some stuff. Atlanta. It's like, come on, bro. Let's not get crazy. Let's not get crazy. And I will say one thing about Tom Brady. Have your fun now, folks. Have your fun now. Because they're going to play Dallas in the first round, most likely. And they'll be like a four-point underdog at home. None of you are backing Dallas. I'm telling you right now, you can't trust that team as a road favorite in the playoffs. Well, the thing is, is that there, there's going to be a lot of people back in Dallas in that spot. And there's going to be a lot of people that are hurt when Tom oh, yeah. does what Tom does in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> y'all, y'all go learn. Y'all go learn for sure. This one is my favorite bet of the week. Buffalo minus six against Miami. Okay. This is, I said this after Miami beat them outright in week three or week four, whenever it was. And all the Dolphins players were just, oh, it goes through us. And they were yapping. Minus six right now. 
I think they beat them by three touchdowns. It's a revenge spot. It's Buffalo has not covered. Uh, they're no, not not covered. They need this game for the division. Also, they could basically wrap up the division. They're at home. The weather is going to be Buffalo December weather. It's going to be a little funky. And a reporter asked Josh Allen that this team doesn't have a Super Bowl offense, and he was just like, "Okay." And I was listening to that, Kenny, and I'm like, "Oh, this, this man is." Spain is putting up 400 yards and five touchdowns next week. I think Miami's in deep trouble, and I think they're going to get routed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I can totally see that happen. I think the Dolphins are right, right at the, that crest, and they're about to just start nose diving down. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of the things were, a lot of their um, inefficiencies as a team were being kind of covered up like band-aided by Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle just going absolutely crazy in the, in the first couple of weeks. You know, like they, they were a team, this team was down 20 something points to the Ravens. Uh, and then, you know, Tyree Kill and, and Tua and those guys just start going crazy. So yeah, I think this Dolphins team's a little bit over overrated in terms of public perception and what people think they're going to do uh, from a season's, season's perspective. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they ended up missing the playoffs altogether. Well, that's why that loss yesterday was, I think the, the odds swung like 40% in either direction, depending on who won that game yesterday between the Chargers and Miami. Now, the Chargers have pissed it all away in the past like they did last year too. Remember last year they lost as a 14-point favorite on the road against Houston outright. They lost yeah. that game and that ultimately is what cost them to uh, miss the playoffs. I do think this game is its a little bit of a, a handicap from how I felt back when this loss happened. I had Joe Fan, my buddy Joe, was on the, on the pod. And I said to him then, when Miami beat them, I was like, dude, when they play in December, I was like, they're going to they're gonna route them. So it's a little bit of a handicap from then and then now. Is that something that you've ever done? Or is that something that you do where it's like maybe a preseason handicap or it's, you know, the revenge, the second the second division game. Is that a part of your thinking as a, as a pro better? A hundred percent. Cause you know, I think what, as sports fans, we tend to forget a lot of times is these guys are humans at the end of the day. Um, so there's always going to be some human element involved, right? <clears throat> uh, I'll give you an example from this past weekend. I love the lions this week. One, the line was just absurd. Yeah. The lions favored it over the, what are they, what were they? 10 and two Minnesota Vikings at the time. Obviously, we all know that line is screaming to bet the Detroit Lions there. Every square in the world is probably piling their money up on Minnesota. So just from a line point, obviously, the Lions were the play there. But um, if you remember, I think we actually talked about it, too. Uh, if you remember on Thanksgiving when the Bills beat the Lions, mm -hmm. they won back-to-back -back games in Detroit, right? You remember that? And the NFL put a graphic out saying the Lions haven't won back-to-back -back games in Detroit since like 2014. But the Bills just did it this this season because they they played the game against Cleveland and then they played the next week in Detroit, right? So you had the Lions. They won last week at home. They were actually in a perfect – they were in a chance to win back-to-back -back games at home for the first time in like six, seven seasons. So I knew the Lions were going to come into that game fired up, fully motivated. You know, they go to war for Dan Campbell already. So I already knew he was going to have those guys come out and play their best game of the season – and they did. They, you know, they stuck it to Minnesota. So, yeah, definitely. I, I always look for little, you know, different angles and different, you know, what uh, little storylines that you can kind of incorporate into handicapping the game. 
the last thing I want to mention for this week, and I like every week I like to look at a line, and it's kind of like my pursue a caution play of the week. I think Dallas. Yeah. I think Dallas being a five and a half point favorite in Jacksonville with Philly next week, which will probably be for division hopes. I think I'd just be a little careful with that one if I want to back the Cowboys. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm looking at that now. Yeah, that's uh, that is a sketchy one. I'm not I like saying the Jags that, in that spot a lot. Yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm liking the Jags, but I definitely don't like the Cowboys. Let's see. So, yeah, I think my 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 steer clear one would be the Steelers there. I think the Panthers at home, two and a half point favorites. I think they pulled that one out. I think a lot of people are going to see that the Steelers have kind of started, you know, putting things together. Kenny Pickett looks like he's rolling a little bit. Um, I, I like the Panthers there in that game. Before we wrap up this show, man, your boy Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, we got to talk about this. <sighs> Brutal. Dude, the quarterfinals couldn't have gone worse for me. I still have a future left. I have one future left, but I really wanted Ronaldo and Messi. Like that would have been poetic justice. Uh, what happened, man? What do you think? What do you think went down with with, with, with your Portugal? Man, man, that was. Uh, to be honest, that was the toughest loss I've ever had. Really, uh, from a fan, from a bet, a better perspective. Not, not, not financial wise. Like I didn't lose. I actually made money on Portugal in the World Cup, right? But. Right. Um, like looking back as, as a sports fan, I'm part Portuguese. We've talked about it. So I've been rooting for Portugal for a very long time, mainly, you know, Ronaldo as he is he, for so long, he was Portugal soccer. Yep. Um, so to see his career end the way it did so close, so close to glory. And when Morocco beats Spain and it kind of seems like everything is just setting up perfectly for Portugal to finally make it to that final. And then to fall short to Morocco and on the way the goal was scored too, like that goal should have never been scored. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to be a sore loser, but I could have made that save. I could have stopped that ball from going in. So it was a tough loss. And then obviously you look at, even from a, a sports fan, we were so close to having Messi versus Ronaldo. Like that would have been, in my opinion, the biggest sporting event the world has ever seen. Um, soccer is obviously a global sport. So just the, the sheer volume of people watching that game would have obviously been higher, but Messi versus Ronaldo. Are you kidding me for a world cup would have been, would have been the biggest thing on television. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Like, yeah, I, I, I did make some financial investments on that being the world cup final. Got some great odds on both had futures on both. And then from a fan, it's like, dude, the world was going to stop. Like, so many people that are not even sports fans were going to tune in, let alone soccer, like, just not into sports at all. Because they're such iconic figures of, like, the world, honestly. Ronaldo got the most social media followers on the planet. <laughs> He's the most popular guy in the world. <laughs> He's the most popular guy in the world. And for them to go out like that, I felt so bad, too. Because if you look at the influence that he's had, a lot of the guys that are on the team now all grew up worship worshiping him. And like that was their, that was like their idol and them getting a chance, like what he did. That's why even if Messi wins the World Cup, I think Ronaldo's influence is more so than what Messi's was because Argentina's a 
traditional historic power in soccer. What was Portugal, bro? Portugal was not <laughs> nothing. Portugal was not <laughs> making quarterfinals, semifinals, winning the Euro Cup and being a World Cup contender until Ronaldo got there. So, like, dude, you talk about the juice and the sauce. Dude had the sauce, man. This is a lasting impact for, for like generations to come. Where Messi, like Argentina's always been good. Like they've always they've won World Cups. Like they've always been good. And who's the better player? That's a conversation for another time. But I think his impact is like, yo, you can't you can't slander this dude. He's he's done a lot. Yeah, I I've uh <clears throat> it's crazy. I didn't I didn't even realize. I mean, obviously, you know, he's such a polarizing figure, Ronaldo, but I was shocked at how many people I had to actually like sit there and try and defend this man's career against. You know, I, <laughs> the guy's numbers speak for themselves, but I was shocked how many people were, were actually, you know, sending me DMs and texts saying like, he's overrated. He's a piece of shit and all these crazy things. Like dude, Ronaldo's a, I mean, obviously I think he's the best soccer player ever, but um, yeah, so it, it was a tough one. It's a tough, I'm still not over it, honestly. Um, pretty, I'm still pretty disappointed the way that, that ended, especially the way you saw how they played the game before. Like that was their them at their full potential, and I knew if they if they reached that point, they would be really tough to beat. So, yeah, that was un- unfortunate for them to go out like that. The semifinals now. Do you do you have a dog in the race? Is there anything you would want to see? Like, feels like there's going to be history made. Whoever wins it, Morocco would be the first African team to ever win it. Croatia would be the storybook ending to their golden generation. France would be the first back-to-back World Cup champion in, I think, 60 years. And then, obviously, the Messi dynamic, too. Do you think it's going to be chalk, France, and Argentina? Because that's what I think I want the final to be, and that's what I think the final. For soccer, I hope that's the final. Because, hmm. like, if we get Argentina-Morocco, like, I don't want to watch that. Uh, if we get France-Croatia, I mean, probably a good game, but I don't really want to watch that. Uh, I, I'm hoping France does it. Uh, I really like Kylian Mbappe. Uh, obviously, right now, he's probably the best player in the world, the way he's been playing. And being a Ronaldo fan, man, I, it would be tough for me to watch Messi win, walk out winning a World Cup. So Argentina is, is my last pick. I want nothing more than to see Argentina lose. That's that speaking like a true Ronaldo fan, right? Dude, Mbappe, yeah, yeah Mbappe is been unbelievable and I also think like you got to give flowers to Griezmann too because this guy went from being it wasn't too long ago man he was in that conversation with like the Mbappes and Ronaldo's and Messi's of the world like he was really special with Atletico and then he kind of disappeared and I felt like he was the biggest x-factor of the World Cup because I didn't know what to make of him because he meant so much to France and he's been he's been incredible in this World Cup I, I would like to see I'm with you I'm with you. I'm, uh, Argentina and France, from a soccer perspective, would be incredible. And I'd like to see Messi. I know you don't, but I'd like, I'd like to see Messi. You know what? It would just feel... Um, it would almost feel fake if Messi was to win it, you know? And, and as someone who I already believe that sports, to some degree, are somewhat fixed, it would just have, like, the same storybook ending that Peyton Manning's career had. You know, yeah, like it just something about it. Like it would be cool to see, obviously, because he's been such a big he's meant so much to the sport of soccer. But at the same time, it would just something about it wouldn't feel right. Like his last World Cup, he wins one like, I don't know. 
I, I think France will. I think France will take this one. What, who do you think ultimately wins it? It's hard. It's hard to pick against France. It's really, and I've been. I've made no money on France outside of that Australia game because I've been. And and when they played when they played uh, Poland too, I was on them there, but I had no futures on them. I didn't think they'd be able to beat England. I was. Uh, I went big on England, bro. Saturday was rough for the boy. Um, I, I I just think it's it's hard for you to repeat, man, at that level. But again, we kept talking about this golden generation for France, and that gets thrown around a bunch. Like golden generation, this this team, golden generation, and like uh, I don't know if you follow Sport Bible on social media, but they they no. t- they tweeted out some picture of like the England World Cup team in 2026, like their ages. And they're like, can this golden generation do it? And I wrote a comment like, how many golden generation are y'all going to have? Like, <laughs> and then nothing happens. And then I wrote USA 2026. I got 3,000 likes on Instagram. And my phone really? has just been, I've gotten DMs. Like, they called me a hillbilly. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> they were trolling me. It was great. They're like, bro, you don't know nothing about soccer. I'm like, yo, 2026. I'll send them American flags. I have to give it back to them, though. Because that… Now World it's, Cup 2026 is, is going to be nuts. Yo, I have a video. And we'll end with this. I have a video from 2018 after they missed the World Cup. And it's titled, Congratulations, 2026 World Cup Champs, the USA. Still gets hits to this day. <laughs> it's like one of my most like, <laughs> viewed videos. And uh, that now the U.S. is in their golden generation. But that's, that's four years from now, man. We have time to uh, talk about all that. I'm happy you're back on the show with the Monday winners. Hopefully it is a good sign and a good omen to continue this run in the contest. And we continue these runs with the picks, bro. Where can uh, people find you, Kenny? Uh, you can find me, Kenny Bets Big, on Instagram. Uh, my website, KennyBetsBig.com. You know, you ever got any questions about betting? You want to know what I'm looking at? Any questions about what, should you bet this? Should you bet that? Uh, DMs are always open. Feel free to reach out.